What's going on, guys? Welcome back into the Fantasy Pros Podcast. We are back with another episode of the Sunday Recap Show. Obviously, I'm not Dan Harris. I'm Mike Taglier, usually sitting in the, uh, I guess the, I don't know what I want to call myself, but I'm not the host. I'm like the co-host. I don't know. I'm, I'm running off the rails already. Look what happens when they put me in charge. Uh, but they're not going to let me do this alone, guys. We're going to do the recap show, and we brought in my good old friend, Michael Moore from PFF. Michael, how's it going, dude? Good, yeah. Obviously, I'm not Mike Taglier. I'm Michael Moore. And I would call you an analyst, Mike. Would that be the, the appropriate title, yeah. fantasy analyst? I think that's fair. And then Dan's just there to basically tell me that I'm dumb when I say things that are, you know, uh, when I go off the rails like that. So I'm expecting you, like Moore and I, I don't know if you guys know listening, but Moore and I used to actually do a show together. So him and I have uh, experience together. So this should go very smoothly when talking about the games, going through the, the action, letting you know what our takeaways were from some of the big performances, some of the, the not so big performances and some of the injuries that took place and going forward. But uh, more before we get into anything we haven't recorded a podcast since this whole thing happened with Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. Obviously, there's a game going on as we're recording this. The Chiefs are leading right now 40-30. to 30. Spencer Ware didn't have quite the game that I, I think everybody expected him to, myself included. He did score a touchdown. But what's your takeaway going forward with him? Is he like a must-start every week, or are you someone that's like in of the mindset where you think he's more matchup related? Well, I, I think any time, uh, any starter on that offense this season, I think is, is a must start. And look, it's not as if they're uh, time sharing that position, right? I mean, he is the man. He is getting a majority of the carries. He's already up to 14 now as we're recording this and no one else has more than five. So yeah, for me, he's a must start now. Is he going to be a top five, you know, kind of game changer? That I don't know about. But uh, is he uh, at the very least a must start? Yeah, I-, I would say so. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. And obviously, if you guys are listening, Kareem Hunt is droppable. Some people have asked me on Twitter. I think that most people know that by now. But the NFL did hand down a six-game suspension, and that's that's still pending everything else. He's on the exempt list right now, which means even if a team picks him up off waivers, which we're going to find out, the team can pick him up off waivers, uh, we're going to find out Monday. Uh, by I think three or four o'clock Eastern time, whether or not someone picked him up, but he's still on the exempt list, which means he can't practice with the team. He can't play in games. So he's done for this year. Like bottom line, don't, you can drop him in redraft league. So let's, let's, let's go back and let's talk about the week, an overview of the week, like more, what's your biggest takeaway from the week? Like is, is it someone, something like maybe that the Houston Texans are, you know, a real contender now that they've won, what is it, nine in a row, or that the Bears are a pretender, you know, losing on the road to the Giants? I mean, this is the second time this year that's happened to the Bears. Uh, they lost to the Dolphins earlier on the road, and now the Giants. It seems like they're playing up or down to their competition. But what was your biggest takeaway from this week? Like, was there a big winner for you? Well, uh, first, Mike, don't be so hard on your Bears, okay? You're starting <laughs> Chase Daniel. I mean, you can be excused for not uh, for not pulling out the win today, but... Um... I don't know. I think the biggest for me, and I know we'll probably get into those a little more, but the Packers, man, I don't know what is going on there. I mean, for me, that's the biggest takeaway. It's just really, I guess, disappointing's the word, you know, because you've got Aaron Rodgers, who's obviously, you know, used to be a top five option every week. Uh, Aaron Jones, even today, uh, looked like he, you know, he's human at this point. So for me, that's the biggest one is just how, uh, I guess, average they look when they really shouldn't be. Yeah, you, when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you should always be in the playoffs. So now it, it is a team game, and in the NFL, you can't. It's not like the NBA where if you have Michael Jordan on your team, you're going to win every single year. It's not like that. So even though I think Aaron, the, the world of Aaron Rodgers 
it does require somewhat of a team effort, but Mike McCarthy, the coaching matters. And actually, just as we were starting to record this, Mike McCarthy was let go by the Packers. He was fired, which is really odd, you know, to happen in season to a guy that's been tenured with this team for so long. But let's be honest, though, it, this, this guy has been carried by Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers throughout his entire career. I mean, I, I did a list more this offseason, uh, like ranking the NFL coaches. I had McCarthy as a bottom five coach and people told me I was crazy, but I, I think he's done very little with a lot of talent. I mean, I, is it fair to say that you agree with that? Oh, completely. Yeah, it's it's really uh, a shame because I feel like Aaron Rodgers' career at the end of it is going to be one of those what ifs. You know, if he had just uh, a better coach, would he be on the same level as Brady, at least when it comes to the championships and the winning? Yeah, because the stats, obviously, he has those. And that's the game is changing to where stats are going to be looked at as completely different. Like Patrick Mahomes could be breaking some of those numbers right now. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, but when looking at like the career numbers of Aaron Rodgers in terms of like touchdown to interception ratio, it's not even close between him and number two. But, you know, that's a story for a different day. But it's it's good to know that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a new coach. The question is, who is it? Is it Josh McDaniels? There's there's a lot of names that are going to be tossed around. I'm sure that the Browns job is going to get a lot of attention where like there's a lot of like appealing coaching jobs out there with good quarterbacks in play so I am curious to see who the Packers end up with but uh before we get into the recaps of today's action I do want to let you guys know about the sponsor of today's show Lisa Mattress you guys know that I mean I've talked about it in the show before when like when, a, when an NFL player has an, a back injury I can tell you the experience because I've had that right and ever since I got my Lisa mattress, my legitimately, I don't wake up stiff anymore. And I, I, I can't say enough good things about the company. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster, prevents burnouts, make better decisions, improve your memory, and overall, just make fewer mistakes. And obviously, that's what we're here to do, help you try and make fewer mistakes. It's not marketing, it's science. To design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. That's more than 26,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to leave the world better than they found it. But that doesn't stop with the mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell and are committed to planting 1 million trees by 2025. Don't miss these winter savings. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com forward slash fantasy pros. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash fantasy pros. All right, more. So we're going to go back to the Thursday game just to start with that one. We're going to do a quick recap of that. What do we take away from this game? It's just like the, the every, any given Thursday, you know, like the, the saying is every, any given Sunday, but any given Thursday, anybody can be beat. Is that the story here? Was it just a bad game for the Saints or... Are the Cowboys a real contender? I've been one of those that hasn't believed it for the Cowboys all season, but I think I finally am ready to <laughs> ready to believe it on that. I mean, look, their defense is good. You can't deny that anymore. Leighton Van Der Esch is, you know, in the running for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, that line is healthy. They've got everyone playing at a really high level. And look, they were able to, to stop uh, the best offense, at least uh, this side of Kansas City, at least so far. So... Um, no, I, I think they. I think the Saints just you know ran into a really good defense, and uh, look, it, it it's better for them that they do this now than in the playoffs because I think uh, guys like Peyton, guys like Breeze will will learn something from this. But I, I just chalk it up to a, a very good offense running into a very good defense. 
Yeah, I'm not too worried about the Saints moving forward. Uh, the, to close out the fantasy season, they're going to play against the Bucks. Obviously, that's a fantastic matchup. You have the Panthers on the schedule, who have been a much better matchup than I think anybody anticipated. And then you have the Steelers to close it out in the fantasy championship. So, I mean, all three of those teams are capable of putting up points in the Saints. Uh, so it, th- those should be good games. I think the question I think everybody listening right now would want to know, if they own Traquan Smith... Is he droppable, or are you of the mindset you keep him in case there's an injury to Michael Thomas, but you really don't want to play him? You know, I don't know that uh, I'm I'm in a real hurry to keep him. He's been real boomer bust this year. I mean, like we saw a couple weeks ago, he just exploded uh, for his first hundred yard game, and then last week he had a he had an egg. You know, he had a zero against in the Dallas game. So I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, if your rosters are large enough, he's a good lottery ticket. But I think if you're relying on him uh, for a playoff run, I, I would look other at other options. Yeah, because I mean, looking at the matchups coming up, they have the Bucks. There's nobody there to stop Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas should go bananas. They have the Panthers after that. Dante Jackson, James. Bradbury meh. and then the Steelers you figure that Joe Hayden is going to be on Michael Thomas so therefore we could see Traquan come out I think he's a type of guy where it's like if you're relatively thin at wide receiver and you're not confident in the guys you have there you could probably stick him in one of those matchups and just kind of play the upside but you have to understand what you're doing when you put him in your lineup I don't think that he's like a guy I never understood it like his ECR I think this week was a top 36 receiver the week before. I mean, before he was announced as out, he was like top 24. And I never understood what people were seeing this because the targets just haven't been there for him. So um, knowing that the Saints offense isn't throwing the ball a whole lot, I yeah, there's not much to take here. But obviously, you're playing Kamara and Ingram. Those guys are always in your lineup. On the Dallas side, is there anybody else outside of Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper that you'd want to own in fantasy? Do you think Michael Gallup is worth an, like a pickup at this point? Or do you think that there's just better guys out there that give you more upside? Yeah, I, I think so. Look, Dallas is never going to be an offensive juggernaut. <laughs> Even when they're winning, they're not going to be an offensive juggernaut. So, no, I, I think Cooper, who, look, don't get me wrong, Cooper surprised me. I didn't. I wasn't sure if he was going to be uh, any good. I know you've been on the Amari Cooper uh, train for a long time, but uh, especially going to Dallas, I had my concerns. But, look, he's proven to be a, a fantasy-relevant player there. But uh, outside of him and Zeke, yeah, I would, I would uh, pass on any other Cowboy at this point. Yeah, definitely. I'd rather take my shot on a high scoring team and I think the Cowboys are fine playing that slow style offense using their run game now it, it should be noted that they do play the Eagles uh, week 14 then they're going to play the Colts and the Bucks so their their remaining schedule is promising so Dak Prescott definitely worth a look as a streamer if he's available in your league but that's really all there the Bears I'm not going to talk about the Bears today what do you have to take away from this the one stat I did want to give is that next gen stats they it's really neat some of the stuff they do with the NFL they have the in the player shoulder pads they have these chips and they track everything Tariq Cohen was targeted 14 times for a total of 118 air yards today, okay? No other running back has had over 80 air yards in a game over the last three seasons. <laughs> what does this mean? Like, I, I mean, Anthony Miller was kind of forgotten. I know he scored a touchdown at the end of the game, but he saw two targets. Trey Burton, one target. I I, I think this was a, a product of Chase Daniel and who he likes in the passing game. But what was your overall take on the Bears? Are you worried? Does this mean that Trey Burton is, is droppable? Do you consider him as a streamer only? Or is he someone that you keep plugging into lineups, you know, once Mitch comes back? Well, first on Burton, I think he's just streamable at this point. I don't know how you could rely on him. You know, he's not consistent. But uh, another thing I find interesting about Cohen, which, I mean, this kind of uh, defeats the purpose, but did you realize he's the most targeted uh, player on the Bears so far after this game? 
I believe it. I guess Allen Robinson missed a couple games. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, more. Him. I mean, he's one more than Taylor Gabriel at this point. Like you said, Miller's kind of, you know, he comes and goes. But uh, no, Tariq Cohen is great, man. I mean, and look, we shouldn't be surprised. You've got Matt Nagy as your head coach, uh, who did wonders with Kareem Hunt towards the end of last year. So um, I, I believe it. I mean, the other thing I took away from this game, which uh, is the rare good Jordan Howard game, but uh, I'm not, I'm not buying that again. I think, I think this was a fluke for him. Right. Yeah. Well, this was one of the last weeks that I would have trusted Jordan Howard. I had him ranked as my number 24 running back this week. I felt like the Bears were going to be in a better position in this game where he probably would have got a rushing touchdown. But that was obviously vultured by Akeem Hicks in this game uh, where the Bears put him in uh, one of their defensive linemen. Yeah. Where did you have him ranked as far as your running backs this week, Mike? Oh, he was uh, he was RB 78. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, that's that's that stuff you can't predict. Adam Shaheen steals a touchdown in this game. So the Bears offense, I- I've said this all along. It's going to be very hit or miss week over week. Even Allen Robinson, to a certain extent, he's the number one receiver. But Mitch Trubisky coming back, it should provide a, a more stable floor for a lot of these pass catchers, including a- uh, Anthony Miller, who who's, was starting to become like somewhat of a favorite of Mitch Trubisky. But Chase Daniel over the last couple weeks has not shown that. Whereas Trey Burton, I'm kind of with you in terms of like what he is. I think he's a streamer now where it's just not he's not someone that you want to trust on every week just because he ha- he hasn't been getting the targets. It's been like four or three targets most weeks. And now with Adam Shaheen there to steal some touchdowns, not ideal on the Giants side of things. I don't think there's much to talk about from this. Saquon Barkley seemed to get hurt towards the end of the game, but he did return and they're calling it a shoulder, like an AC joint sprain, but it seems like he should be okay going forward. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about on the Giants side? No, I mean, apparently we can, you know, project Odell Beckham throwing touchdowns. What is that? His second of the year. So, um, you know, you can't sleep on that, but other than that, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it's a typical Giants game. I think Saquon uh, is the man there, um, and obviously Beckham. He's going to be a must start every week. But um, yeah, outside of that, uh, I didn't see anything uh, anything much different on that. Yeah, it seemed like the the Giants were awfully close to benching Eli Manning this game. They had Kyle Lalletta on the sideline with his helmet on. I believe he was going to enter in the second half if things didn't turn around. And then Odell Beckham throws a touchdown, and all is right in New York. Uh, so yeah, I mean, even Sterling Shepard, it's just he's a very a low ceiling type player at this point. So if you if you need to drop him for someone that has a better matchup, I'm not opposed to it just because I just don't think there's enough volume. I think they want to run the ball more often than they throw the ball, and I mean for good reason. So. <laughs> Moving on to one of the less uh, attractive games of the week. We have the Bills and the Dolphins. Uh, that was a- less attractive. How dare you, Mike? I mean, we had Josh Allen as the number one quarterback through the first set of games. Like legit, like after the Thursday night game and the first uh, set of games, Josh Allen rushed for 135 yards <laughs> against the Dolphins. I mean, I think a lot of us expected LaShawn McCoy to get some of that yardage. McCoy finishes with 15 carries, 52 yards, a very mediocre day. But Zay Jones gets back in the good graces after, I think, last week he had one target in that game, but he bounces back with nine targets, four catches, 67 yards, and two touchdowns against Miami. Let's just be real here. You don't want to tie <laughs> You don't want to tie yourself to anybody on the Bills, do you? Oh, no. No. Like, for a playoff run? No. No, I'm good. I mean, look, I think if anything, uh, if, if you're able to, it's good uh, research for next year, you know? I mean, look, uh, like Zay Jones, for example— 
uh, and see if you agree with this, was kind of in the same position Tyler Boyd was last year. He was a second rounder, didn't really do a whole lot through the, the first part of his career. But look, he, he had time to develop and, and uh, really turn in a good season. I think Zay Jones is capable of that next year, but obviously a lot of things have to happen for them. But as far as this year, no, we're done. We can, we can safely move on from that. Well, let's pretend someone has an injury on their team and they have Zay Jones available on the waiver wire. He's playing the Jets next week and the Jets have been destroyed by like in the slot all year long. Buster screen has just been awful. Is Zay Jones like even on that radar or you're just like, you know what? I am not trusting Josh Allen in my playoff <laughs> life. Like even if it's just like a, a second flex spot, I'm not doing it. A second flex spot, I, I could be talked into it, but uh, definitely nothing, nothing higher than that. Yeah. Yeah, and moving over to the the Dolphins receivers, I mean, Devontae Parker catches a touchdown the first one of the year. Uh, someone asked me earlier uh, this morning, actually, they said, are we done with Parker? And I said, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> like, I, I'm not trusting this offense. I'm not trusting the targets. He gets seven targets in this game. It's actually a good performance against the Bills, who have been really stingy against wide receivers. Kenny still scores a touchdown as well, but... Again, this is another offense. Do we want to trust Ryan Tannehill, who, by the way, he did throw three touchdowns on just 24 pass attempts today? Yeah, I was going to say, of all the teams, uh, as far as giving up fantasy points to quarterbacks, the Bills were literally the best, meaning they gave up the least amount of fantasy points uh, up to this point. So uh, logically, you would think, okay, Tannehill's going to have a bad game, but then he goes out and throws three touchdowns. So I don't know, man. This whole team's a conundrum. I mean, let's let's remember, it's the same team that continues to start Frank Gore out there every week when they got Kenyon Drake. So who the hell knows what, what they're doing, <laughs> but I don't think any of them can be trusted uh, to be consistent anyway. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's thrown 178 pass attempts this year. He's thrown 13 touchdowns. That's a 7.3% touchdown rate. Like, I want to say that Aaron Rodgers has hit that number like twice in his career, which is just stupid. I mean, the NFL has moved. Like, when you look at quarterback numbers as a whole, it's like everybody, if you combine all the the quarterbacks for every single week, it looks like Drew Brees' numbers from a couple years ago. Like, that, that, it's just, it's gotten quite ridiculous where these numbers, these touchdown rates are just so crazy high, um, where it's like, if you have a quarterback with 5%, you're like, meh. <laughs> I don't want that guy. I don't want that guy in my team. We can do better. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it, this is uh, one of those games we don't have to talk too much about. There's not too much. I mean, that idea when you're going into fantasy playoffs, you want you want to play guys who are relatively consistent. I don't think we could say that about any of these guys. And you want guys that present upside if you don't have that consistency. And I don't think either of these teams present massive upside. So, yeah. Did you hear anything about Frank Gore? I want to say he left this game with an injury. I did not watch this game. Uh, this was not one of my chosen ones. So I did not. <laughs> I didn't see anything. I mean, you know, as far as carries go, he still had he still had eight, you know, which was more than Kenyon Drake for some reason. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, it's now don't get me wrong. I mean, Gore's had a good season, actually. He's averaging like four and a half yards a carry, which is nuts because he's, you know, like 50 years old. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just nothing there's nothing consistent there. There's nothing to, to look forward to from a fantasy standpoint, I don't think. Yeah, unfortunately, there's not. I mean, going over to two more teams that, again, I'm just not really excited about these teams. And I understand that, you know, I don't want to say that about every single team. But, I mean, we're talking about the Broncos and the Bengals here. These these two teams put up 34 points in the game today. The Denver Broncos, like Case Keenum, this should have been like a solid spot to be able to stream him. He throws for 151 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's not going to get it done. Uh, when you're playing, you know, in a league where it takes essentially 20 plus fantasy points to get uh, inside the top 12. So Case Keenum, even in a good matchup, I don't think we could trust him. I think the one thing here is like Philip Lindsay goes bananas and his playoff schedule is nuts. Like I loved Philip Lindsay this week and um, I, I pulled the trigger in some of my DFS lineups. I should have had him in every single one instead of Aaron Jones. 
but that's a story for a different day. Is Royce Freeman worth holding on to as a handcuff? Like, let's say that, you know, we talked about Spencer Ware being one of the best handcuffs. Malcolm Brown is one of those guys. Is Royce Freeman like a must to have on your bench? Should he be sitting on waiver wires right now? Uh, I would pick him up. I mean, I, the funny thing is what gets lost in in this crazy Philip Lindsay season is Royce Freeman's actually played pretty well. I mean, he hasn't seen as many carries, as many snaps, but he's still producing uh, pretty decent numbers, too. Hell, he had a, a better elusive rating going into this week than Philip Lindsay, you know. So uh, I would pick him up if he's available. And, and not just necessarily, you know, as kind of an injury uh, precaution. But look, they, they obviously still want to get him involved. He had double-digit uh, carries today. That's the fourth time he's done that this season. So it, it's obvious he's not going away. But yeah, I would definitely uh, uh, see if I had room on your, uh, on your bench for him. For sure. I think he's one of the higher upside uh, backups because they do clearly want to run the ball. They had 34 rushing attempts today as a team. Cortland Sutton gets his first game of his NFL career with more than three catches. He gets four. Four catches, 85 yards and a touchdown. It's still, you'll take it as a fantasy owner. Uh, that's wide receiver three territory. But he's, again, he's not someone like, as I mentioned more, he has, this is the first game in his career he's got more than three passes. Is that someone you want to rely on in the fantasy playoffs? I mean, I, I guess he should probably be owned, but are you excited to put Cortland Sutton in your lineup? No, it would be very uh, nerve-wracking if, if if you're relying on him. And again, he's not going to be a guy that he's your wide receiver too by any means. But look, I, I, I tend to think as rookies uh, uh, progress in their initial season that they get better. You know, I, I think uh, our, our mutual colleague Scott Barrett had some numbers on this too, but yeah, I think he's got some upside, but there's definitely going to be uh, the potential for a zero there, too. Here's the question for you. I, I think that Cortland Sutton gives a higher floor, but who would you prefer to have on your team? Let's pretend you're not starting these guys, but you could have one on your bench. Cortland Sutton or Traquan Smith, which one? Uh, I'd probably go Sutton. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I, I think he just is higher on the food chain in Denver than Traquan Smith is at this point. I would agree with you there, but we haven't seen the upside that that Traquan presents because he's done it in two games against Washington against the Eagles. And that's what I'm saying. Like there's been two massive games by Traquan, but Cortland hasn't really had those, that blow up game, but I think he presents a much higher floor. I guess it just depends on what you're looking for. Right? Well, the other thing is, as you kind of alluded to, Denver's offense is obviously nowhere near the Saints offense. So uh, the Saints offense can support a Traquan Smith in addition to Kamara, Michael Thomas, that stuff with Denver. It's pretty much Philip Lindsay, and that's it at this point. <laughs> yeah, even Emmanuel Sanders, four catches, 19 yards. Right, you know, so I think, uh, to me, I'd still go Sutton just because I think I'd feel a little better about him being involved than Traquan at this point. That's fair. That's that's definitely fair. Let me throw out another name in there. Would you rather own Curtis Samuel than both of them? <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know anyone that saw this coming, but good for him, man. I mean, he is on a roll. I mean, there was a couple of weeks he was scoring every week. I mean, he had like one catch and then, you know, it'd be a touchdown. Uh, but this week, I think it was his best week uh, as far as receptions and catches go, right? He has, well, yeah, he saw 11 targets today. That's a, that's a career high. Uh, he, over the last two weeks, he's played 112 of 129 snaps. Yeah. I mean, look, he's very good for that offense, obviously, and I'm very happy that they're able to find ways to use him, right? They're not just trying to pigeonhole him in, into some kind of role. And look, you know, I, I don't know if Devin Funches is going to be there next year. I mean, I think next year could be really big for Samuel, but for this year, 
he's starting to get into that conversation where you want him as a flex just because of the uh, the scoring potential there. Yep, that's why I wanted to throw him out there. I think that it's it's very close between him and Cortland Sutton, which one I'd own. Uh, I guess it's probably still Sutton, but it's very close. I think the upside uh, does sway to Samuel, though. Uh, on the on the Bengals side of the ball, this is a team that their defense is just struggling. They're allowing opponents, you know, 72 plays per game. It's kind of ridiculous at this point. They don't know how to use Joe Mixon. They lost A.J. Green. That's the big news from this one is that A.J. Green came back from his foot injury and re-injured himself. He was in tears as they took him off on a cart. His season's over. Like that, he's not playing again this year. He, I don't. I was of the mindset that he shouldn't return. This team was playing for nothing outside of Marvin Lewis's, you know, Bengals life, which shouldn't exist in the first place. But yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Tyler Boyd, I think he performs better with AJ Green on the field. John Ross is clearly going to walk into some targets, so I guess he's someone that we should talk about. Do you think John Ross, now that AJ Green is out, do we think that John Ross is worth owning? No. Fair enough. <laughs> Jeff Driscoll not doing it for you, huh? No, I, I mean, look, even uh, in the few games that uh, Green was out earlier this season, I mean, don't get me wrong, Ross scored, but he's not going to see the volume. I mean, look, this is going to be the Tyler Boyd show the rest of the way. And look, he's earned it. I mean, he's performed well both with and without A.J. Green in the lineup. So um, I think uh, Tyler Boyd's about to see an even bigger uh, target share to end the season. Yeah, for sure. That, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think C.J. Uzama is someone that Jeff Driscoll likes an awful lot. Uh, he saw another seven targets today. They're not going to be like explosive targets or anything like that. But if you're looking for a floor, he at least delivers that. So all that Matt Lacoste conversation about people with the Broncos, you know, streaming their tight end. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move over to the next game. We have Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. The Cleveland Browns come back down to life. I think we all should have seen this coming. It's not like the Browns are going to go to a playoff contender like overnight just because they got rid of Hugh Jackson. It's going to take some time, and I don't think Greg Williams is the guy to turn that franchise around. So the Browns, anybody here that's worth owning? I mean, like, obviously, Baker Mayfield is streamer worthy. I don't know how you feel about him next week. They're going to be playing against Carolina, a team that has allowed multiple touchdown passes in, I think, 10 of their last 11 games. You have Antonio Callaway, who's playing a role, Jarvis Landry, a little bit more volume today. Even David Njoku, six targets, three catches, eight yards. I mean, against Houston, it was a good matchup. It's just so hard to predict this offense week over week. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, look, I'm, I'm a big Baker fan, so he's still going to be a top 15 quarterback for me. I, I, he's getting to the point where uh, you're going to want to start him. I mean, look, even this week, you know, he threw for 400 yards pretty much. He had a, a 9.2 uh, yards per attempt, which is pretty good. And look, it's because they were behind most of the game. So, of course, he was chucking it. And, yeah, he had three picks. But, again, he had a touchdown in there. I, I'm not real worried about it. I think Nick Chubb is still going to do well. Look, the only reason he didn't have more volumes because they were down early and down big. You know, he had nine carries. That won't be the case every week. So, um, no, I, I think there's a lot to like here. I think, uh, I mean, like you alluded to in Joku, I was that was probably my biggest disappointment of any one player this week. Because, yeah, I, of the 400 yards that, <laughs> that Mayfield threw, he had eight. Ugh, that's that's brutal. That's just brutal. For sure. And I'm a Baker fan too. Like that's like I still feel like he's like a quarterback of the future. You're going to be talking about him for a long time. I felt like he rushed a little bit of his throws this game like almost like he didn't want to take a sack against that that Texans pass rush and he didn't he didn't get sacked all game, but it, it really reflected in his stats. But it was it was an off game for him and that's fine, but I'm with you in the fact that I think he'll bounce back against Carolina and he's going to be in that high end Wide receiver two conversation. I don't think Antonio Callaway or Rashard Higgins are guys that I want to own. And it, yeah, honestly, Duke Johnson, is he droppable? He saw two catches in a game that they were down the entire time. 
I, I think so. I think this is the Nick Chubb show at this point. And look, I think they're okay with that. You know, they're okay with one running back doing everything. They don't need him anymore. But why did they sign Duke Johnson to the extension? Uh, well, look, they also signed Carlos Hyde, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and look, for all we know, it was kind of Nick Chubb insurance, right? Because Chubb was coming off, you know, still recovering from a, a pretty big injury a while ago. So they may have just thought, hey, running backs are cheap. Uh, at least relatively speaking. So let's let's just pad ourselves. And look, Chubb has come back. He's proven himself. They don't need those guys anymore. Yep. Lamar Miller comes back with another good performance. 19 carries, 103 yards in the ground. Man, I don't know what... I, I That baffles me still. I mean, good for him, but... It's nuts what he's doing. I mean, like over the past two months, I think over the last six games, there's been one bad game, and it was against Denver, a team that has been shutting down opposing run games, so I can't even hold that against him. I don't know what happened. But clearly, Lamar Miller is just running better. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it's it's kind of vintage Lamar Miller back to his days in Miami. He's averaging five yards a carry. Uh, he had his third 100-yard game this week, and, and he didn't even get 20 carries. He had 19. Yep. Alfred Blues has been getting more work than people like like actually realize. That's I was That was going to be my other point. He had 12 carries today. You know, I mean, it's obvious that they 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 have kind of a two headed monster that they prefer, you know, but that's OK for a team that that runs a lot of plays, both running and passing. They can afford to do that. You know, how about Demarius Thomas? Is he someone that you that needs to be held on to in fantasy leagues or is he someone that you're OK cutting ties with? Because even with Kiki QT out of the lineup today, he he, he told us three catches for 32 yards. If he didn't have the two touchdowns last week against the Titans, I think people would view him a little bit differently. I, I just I don't feel like he's going to be a difference maker, but at the same time, he might be in that wide receiver four conversation. Uh, I, I think that's about right. I mean, it, he yeah. I mean, you asked earlier is he is he droppable? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, he hasn't had more than five catches, but one time this year, once you know, and, and with Houston, it hasn't been more than four catches in a game. So. Um, yeah, I think he's entirely droppable at this point. Yeah, and this was the the first game since week five where Deshaun Watson threw the ball more than 25 times. And that's because, well, the Browns, I want to say they ran like 74 plays. So obviously the Browns just allow a ton of plays to their opponents. So that's why you saw a little increased volume. But yeah, Demarius Thomas is just a very, he's just an unsexy wide receiver four. Like he, he should give you a three, four catch floor, but it's not much more than that for a ceiling either. So he's just very boring. He's like an Isaiah Crowell of uh, wide receivers right now going over to the most embarrassing I don't even want to say most embarrassing it might be though you we talked about for a second you know with the whole Mike McCarthy firing but the Packers were at home and they lost to the Arizona Cardinals a team that was two and nine coming in Uh, the Packers were playing for their playoff lives where are we at with Aaron Rodgers is he just a streamer I mean I I never thought that I would absolutely like I never thought I'd say this like legitimately as one of his biggest fans I never thought I'd say that Aaron Rodgers is just a streamer, but I, I kind of have to do it right now. Yeah, and, and look, I don't know if the injury that he suffered week one is still kind of lingering, you know? I mean, I hope so, just for his sake and for next year. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. There's just a lot of options at this point that you'd probably go, you know what, I feel more comfortable with this player than Aaron Rodgers. And, and again, I don't know if it's the injury. I don't know if it's the... Maybe the lack of supporting cast around him? I don't know. What do you think? I believe that it is the supporting cast, and I think that's what we saw back in uh, 2016 when Jordy Nelson got hurt and he missed that year with the ACL. We saw him have a down season because I think that Aaron Rodgers relies a lot on chemistry. He's the type of player, type of quarterback that relies on timing and trust with his wide receivers. And if his wide receivers aren't going to be where they're supposed to, that's why when you watch him and Devontae Adams, that's the only guy that he's had around for years. And you watch those two, it's poetry in motion. Like, legit. Like, there is no way to defend some of the things that those guys do on the football field legit nothing like before Adams even breaks in his route Rodgers throws it to the sideline and 
Adams turns around, the ball's there, he snags it out of thin air, and it's just impossible to defend unless you know that play's coming. I just think this team is poorly coached. I think that they don't have a lot of trust in the wide receivers there. Valdez Scantling has clearly fallen out of favor. He sees seven targets today, but again, just two catches for 19 yards. I was I was someone saying that I thought he would bounce back, but it's not looking too good right now. This entire offense isn't moving well, and then for whatever reason, Jamal Williams touched the ball four fewer times than Aaron Jones this week. Makes zero sense, but that's why Mike McCarthy's fired. I was gonna say that was his that was his parting move, Mark McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, what about the Cardinals? Like Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, are these guys every week plays, or are you just like to the point with Josh Rosen where you're like, I'll play matchups? Like I don't think that Larry Fitzgerald's a must start. I think you just play the matchups. Yeah, I think it's a matchup at this point. I mean, look, Larry Fitzgerald is not going to return to the numbers that he did in his kind of, uh, you know, renaissance uh, a couple years ago. Uh, David Johnson even uh, is a shell of himself, you know, which is really unfortunate, you know. But I, I don't know that there's any player on that team that, that really excites me at this point, you know. Yeah. No, no, for sure. That offensive line is decimated. They don't have many weapons. I mean, Chase Edmonds before, like someone's going to ask me and I know someone's going to ask. <laughs> no, he's not worth a pickup. No, I don't even think he's worth a handcuff, to be honest with you. I like if David Johnson can't get it done behind this offensive line with this play calling, I don't trust Chase Edmonds to do it, even if he did have two touchdowns today. Am I, are you right? Am I right there? Yeah. And it's getting to the point where I don't know that I trust uh, the coaches. I mean, you got David Johnson who uh, in his, you know, uh, amazing season two years ago, had 80 catches for the season, right? So he averaged five a game. He's done that once this year, which is really a travesty. I mean, how you don't involve him more in the passing game, I don't know. But it makes me not want to trust any of the Arizona coaches at this point because it's like you obviously don't know what you have or how to use it. So wh- why am I going to trust you on a week-to-week basis? Let's play a game. Trent Sherfield. Do you know that name? <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I was about to say, am I making it up? <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to Google it after they hear you talk about it. Yeah, so he's a wide receiver. He's like like practice squad type talent, and uh, he saw more targets than David Johnson today. Yeah, uh, it's just it's I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like Bruce Arians, please come back, please. Like I'm begging you. Oh man, David Johnson is praying. I I wonder if David Johnson regrets signing that extension with them. I don't know. I mean, look, anytime a guy can get paid, I think that's a good thing, you know. And look, he knew that it was going to be, uh, this year anyway, kind of a tough year uh, drafting Rosen that high. You know, like they knew it was going to be kind of a transition year. So now I, I think the the hope is that, you know, they turn the corner next year, which at this point, I don't I don't see a lot to be excited about, unfortunately. You know, that's the sad thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's where I'm at with it. Indianapolis Colts 0, Jaguars 6. This game was something. Andrew Luck throws the ball 52 times. They go back to the early season uh, type Colts offense. Eric Ebron targeted 16 times. Catches 10 of them for 81 yards. Also fumbles on a rushing attempt in which he lost nine yards on. Of course. Marlon Mack struggles again. It's the second time against the Jags this year he struggled. Are you surprised by the the lack of production out of the Colts offense today? Or should this kind of been expected because the Jaguars were never as bad as some people made them out to be? (sighs) I don't know, man. I mean, I, I I like to think that it was a fluke for the Colts, meaning, look, they played Jacksonville about a month ago and luck through for three touchdowns, you know? So it wasn't like this team has his number. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm going to chalk it up to be in a one-week kind of thing. I mean, it did snap Andrew Luck's streak of whatever it was, I think eight games of at least three touchdowns. So Second longest ever. Yeah, you know, but I, I don't know. He plays Houston next week. 
Um, that's not a cakewalk either. So um, if he struggles again next week, then I think we have a problem. But I'm going to be optimistic and say it was just the one game. What about Marlon Mack? Are you worried about him? Obviously, they're playing in Houston next week. Houston's been a tough matchup for running backs. Then they play the Cowboys after that. Cowboys with Van Der Esch even. Sean Lee should be back in the lineup. How do you feel about him the next couple of weeks? I don't know. I mean, look, to be completely fair, I've never been a big Marlon Mack fan <laughs> to begin with. And look, he's going to, like you said, he's got a couple tough defenses defenses he's running into you know so I don't know I think they're going to be passing it a lot the next couple weeks let's just say that Mm -hmm. yep Eric Ebron should be worth a lot in your fantasy league (laughs) I think we could say that on the Jaguar side Cody Kessler they ask him to just basically manage the game he does just that completing 18 of 24 passes 150 yards he doesn't turn the ball over he fumbled the ball but he actually recovered it so that didn't really count but in regards to the offense as a whole without Leonard Fournette it was rather ugly uh, the, the change in offensive coordinator, like firing of the offensive coordinator didn't change anything. I don't. Do you have any big takeaways from this game? Because I don't think we need to talk about him. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it, Cody Kessler is what he is. And that's all we have to say about that. Yep. They're going to run Leonard Fournette into the ground next week. And that's that. That's basically where we're at with it. Uh, moving on to the Carolina Panthers, 17, Tampa Bay, 24. Carolina loses their fourth straight game. Cam Newton in this game throws four interceptions to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that had intercepted three passes all year long. <laughs> Cam Newton was pulled at the end of the game. To, uh, they, they brought in Taylor Heineke to throw the Hail Mary because Cam Newton's surgically repaired right shoulder apparently wasn't good. And honestly, while I was watching this game and Cam Newton, the, the, the few passes prior to that, he was struggling to get the ball 40 yards down the field. And that that's something that Cam Newton typically doesn't struggle with. So I wonder if there actually is a problem here. Are you worried about Cam Newton going into the fancy playoffs? Or are, you, are you just like, yeah, I think this is just a bad game. I think he'll bounce back. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I mean, look, he's he's been a top five fantasy quarterback all season. I mean, yes, he struggled this week, um, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not uh, sort of um, belittling the injury that he had, but at the same time, you know, it's not like it's anything new. He's been playing with this all year, and he's done very well. So um, I, I think he'll be fine. I, it, something I noticed about this game. James Winston is like quietly put together back-to-back pretty decent outings. He hasn't thrown a pick the last two weeks, which is like a miracle considering he threw, I think, 12 in the first like four games he had. Um, So, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, it it could just be uh, kind of uh, momentum kind of uh, changing game where you got Tampa, who's finally playing better, finally got some consistency, and the Panthers, you know, whatever you want to call it, just kind of breaking down at this point. That's the crazy part is, like, Tampa is one game behind the Panthers. (laughs) Right. Like, what? Which, yeah, which we wouldn't have thought of a month ago. Yeah, is Dirk Cutter even going to have a job next year? I don't think he should. I mean, in terms of, like, what he's done with this team, I think there's a lot of talent on it. Their defense is, like, uh, it's a mess, but um, they have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. As you mentioned, Jameis Winston, I think that they've harnessed him in. Like, I think that he actually has woken up to realize that – He's not guaranteed anything in this league. Like, he's gotten benched, okay, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, a journeyman in the league. And, like, he's had to understand now that he can't make those same mistakes. So he's not taking as many chances as he typically would. So you're not seeing the sky high, you know, average depth of target. You're seeing him throw into wide receivers who are creating more separation, like Chris Godwin, like Adam Humphreys, and it's working for him. Um, he's still going to be, you know, he's still going to make mistakes at times, but he offers you some of that rushing upside. I like him. I mean, I have him as a top eight fantasy quarterback for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's about right. And why not? He's got the weapons for it. He he's proven he can do it. I mean, why not? And do the Bucks do they shut down Deshaun Jackson? He was out for this week, and that was that's why we saw Chris Godwin six targets, five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. You know, you have OJ Howard out of the offense. If it's these guys going forward, I think it's going to be very heavily concentrated on these top three receivers and the tight end. I think that Cameron Brait would be a top 12 tight end. Mike Evans. Uh, Godwin and Humphreys could all be top 36 receivers with how much they throw the ball in Tampa. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously with how much they throw it, they don't, they don't run it at all. <laughs> that's the, that's the funny thing. They had Peyton Barber, their leading rusher, or at least as far as attempts go with 16, you know? Um, and, and I agree with you. I think they've got uh, three or four guys anyway, that can, that can be fantasy relevant in this offense that are supported by that. It's no different than, you know, the Rams who have, uh, and I'm not comparing the two and saying they're on <laughs> right, right on the same level, but look, they've got the same deal where you have three or four guys that you can safely rely on each week. Well, no, but realistically, like this is something that we've done over the weeks. If you were to combine Jameis Winston, and Ryan Fitzpatrick's passing totals, they would equal, I think, the number two or number three fantasy quarterback in football right there with Jared Goff. So it's not too far off. And knowing that they don't use the running backs in the passing game, it is very concentrated on the wide receivers and one tight end because there's no O.J. Howard. So I definitely like all these guys going forward. Uh, what about on the so the Panther side of the ball? Is Devin Funches someone you want to rely on? Is he droppable? Me personally, I think I'd drop him. He's uh, he, he was on a snap count today. I think he played 32 of 70 snaps. D.J. Moore and Curtis Samuel seem to be every down players, but... Obviously, DJ Moore has another stinker today, four catches, 44 yards. He he gets a couple carries in there, but it's so frustrating. Is there any way that you don't play DJ Moore with what he's done over the last month? You know, any Panther receiver is going to have some risk on it, <laughs> you know, because like you said, they got a couple guys there that they use that they don't necessarily evenly distribute it. So, but as far as Funches goes, I... To me, I think he's getting to the point where he's droppable. You know, I mean, look, no hundred yard games this season. Um, his highest yardage total for any game was seventy seven, and that was all the way in week two. You know, I mean, it's just it's not trending in the right direction. And as the Panthers kind of fall more out of favor of the playoff race, they're going to be looking at their younger guys. They want to get snaps to Samuel and to DJ Moore, no matter what. So, um, yeah, I I think it's getting to that point with him. I still think it's going to be frustrating, though. I think Funch is going to be involved in the red zone, especially knowing that Greg Olson, that's some injury news that I got to let you guys know about from this game as well, is that Greg Olson suffered another foot injury, and he's out for the year. Uh, they, they basically announced it right after the game that he's done for the year. So Greg Olson is droppable. Ian Thomas is going to be the new tight end there. He saw five targets you know, five receptions for 46 yards. He he filled in for Greg Olson earlier in the season. He wasn't too appealing then, uh, but, it, it, you know, we're at the point with tight ends where it's like if you find a tight end that's seeing five or six targets, they're probably worth a look. Um, but I don't know how I don't know how good I feel about starting Ian Thomas, a rookie tight end who's filling in for an injured Greg Olson. Um, anything else from the from this game that you want to talk about? I mean, Christian McCaffrey's awesome. I don't think we need to repeat it, but you know, I, um, I, I was looking over that. So over the last six games, he has totaled 859 yards and 10 touchdowns. <laughs> he has totaled 125 of the last 136 running back touches for the Panthers. Yeah, I, I believe it. And look, uh, count me as one of those that thought CJ Anderson would see a lot more action <laughs> in the beginning, but, uh, no, this is McCaffrey's team now, man. And look, that's good that they have uh, someone else to rely on on that offense besides Cam. Cam's carried that offense for so many years now. 
um, it's nice that they can kind of, you know, lighten his load a bit, a little bit. Because, look, if he does have a serious injury or needs time to recover, at least the offense isn't going to fall off a cliff now. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm worried about with Cam is that if his shoulder is really bad, I don't know if they're going to want him running the ball, which we've seen that before. We've seen that, Cam, and it's not good. It's not good when he can't run the ball. So it, it you need that dual threat with him. So I'm going to be watching the practice reports this week with Cam Newton and Kind of paying attention to that whole thing because hopefully his shoulder's okay for the fantasy playoffs. Going on to one of the more disappointing performances of the, the day, uh, the Rams win 30-16 to over the Lions, but it was like the most boring win I think I've ever seen from a Rams team. Like their offense looked flat through the majority of the day and against a, a Lions defense who is one of the least efficient teams in terms of their pass defense, like so bad. I don't think people realize just how bad they've been. Uh, but they hold Jared Goff to 207 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Todd Gurley almost lets down fantasy owners. Uh, he did it again where he he's running with the ball, gets in the open field. It's a sure touchdown, right? He he pulls the thing where, you know, when you're showboating in Madden and you run across like the five yard line just to make the play longer before you run into the end zone. He did that, but then he laid down on the two yard line and everybody's like, what are you doing? There was more than two minutes left in the game. <laughs> uh, it, it made zero sense. Like they were up one touchdown that would put him up two touchdowns. It would have made all the sense. I think he ended, I think it was a mistake on his part and they actually, you know, rectified the situation and gave it to him the next, the next play. He ran in a two yard and touchdown. So all is forgiven with Todd Gurley. Um, but yeah, Robert Woods, Brandon cooks, these, these guys are starting every week. You, we don't have to talk about those guys, but I want to talk about is Josh Reynolds, five targets, two catches, 19 yards. What do we do with him? Does he fall in that category with the Traquan Smith? Does he fall in the category with a, with a Cortland Sutton? How do you feel about him going forward? You know, I, I personally, I put him a, a little level above those guys only because, uh, again, I think this is an offense that can safely support three receivers like that. And like you said, the whole offense today looked flat. It wasn't just it wasn't just him by any means. So I think on quote a normal Rams game, uh, I think he'll be just fine. The funny part was he got all of his all of his catches and yardage pretty early on. Like I mean, I think within the first quarter, and then after that, just completely fell off. So um, no, I, I would still honestly at this point take him above a Sutton, take him above a Traquan Smith. Uh, but you know, again, it was one game. Uh, I need to see uh, him have another dud before uh, before I change my mind on that. Yeah, I think he's like in that conversation of like if you think the Rams are going to score a lot of points, you obviously want to play him. And the question is, is do they score a lot of points? They're playing against. They're going to be at the Bears next Sunday night. Not a great matchup for wide receivers. Hasn't been this year. Uh, you have the Eagles after that. That's obviously a matchup everybody's going to attack. And then you have Week 16 at the Cardinals. Not a great matchup for perimeter wide receivers as he'll see Patrick Peterson some of the time and uh, Benet Ben Wickery others while that might be like a Robert Woods type week so it's, it's something to pay attention to I don't think that he's a must play every single week or anything like that uh, as for Detroit here's my question to you Legarrett Blunt gets 16 carries for 61 yards yeah you know he doesn't he doesn't do anything in the passing game we know that they're gonna play against Arizona next week Arizona has allowed more rushing touchdowns than any other team in the league if Carrion Johnson is out next week do you think Legarrett Blunt is a top 24 option for you yes I do and I think it's because that should be a game. The Lions are are in it, meaning they're not going to get blown out, kind of like they, you know, not that they were blown out today, but let's face it. I mean, even when the Rams weren't playing well, it's not like anyone expected the Lions to come back on that. But uh, against the Cardinals, I do expect them to be competitive, which I think does lend itself to Blunt uh, being a lot more involved in the in the running game and for them to run it more and to run it on the goal line. So, um, yeah, I think he would be. I mean, a again, like you said, carry-on has to be out. 
because that's the only way. But um, if he is, I would I would look for that. Yep. All right. So Kenny Galladay, just three catches for 50 yards. He does see eight targets. So it's, it, it wasn't a great matchup with Aqib Tlaib back on the field. That's where that defense, I think, gets better with Tlaib because I think that Marcus Peters is not made to be a shadow cornerback. Question is Bruce Ellington. He sees 10 targets, seven catches for 35 yards. He's essentially another theoretic, right? Just playing wide receiver. Do you think that he's worth playing? Like, let's say someone's in a PPR format. They're looking for that flex player. Just some, they, they're like, I just want someone to pick up off the waiver wire that's going to give me a high floor. Against Arizona, that slot has been abused. Buda Baker is not a slot cornerback. He's a safety, but they have him playing slot cornerback. Do you think Bruce Ellington is worth a pickup in PPR formats for someone that might be just looking like, hey, get me 8 to 10 PPR points and I'm fine? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, not only is he another kind of theoretic, I mean, he is their second receiver at this point. You know, they lost Marvin Jones. They traded Golden Tate. There's no one left. <laughs> it's Kenny Galladay, and that's it. So, um, and right now, Ellington's the guy right behind him. So, yeah, I think he, uh, if he's still out there, I would definitely grab him because I think he's definitely got a, a, a decent floor going forward. Well, yeah, he's only been with the team for three weeks, like legit, only three weeks. Like he joined the team and he had to play that week. And he has six catches, six catches, seven catches, 26 targets. 19 receptions like the yardage isn't great but if you're in a ppr format he's definitely worth standard no i think standard leave him on the waiver wire let someone else deal with it but as for ppr formats i definitely think he's on the wide receiver for radar next week and someone that you could play if you're in trouble um i definitely like him there matthew stafford droppable right like you don't have to worry about he's not is he even a streamer at this point in time uh streamer i think so but i mean it would be he he's no different than most of the other quarterbacks out there now. He's nothing special. Right. And Levine Toilolo, no, we're not talking about him. <laughs> no. Look, the Lions need to figure out who their tight end is because it's extremely frustrating for everyone else. The targets are just sitting there. There's plenty of targets, but they keep rotating around. They got Luke Wilson. They got uh, Michael Roberts. They've got Tololo this week. I mean, just just pick one. Just pick one. It's not fun. It's not fun. And like, and you know, to to know that Eric Ebron didn't succeed in that offense, and then goes to Indianapolis and starts doing the things he does. Maybe he just was underutilized in the offense. Maybe that's the thing, because Luke Wilson on a on a per target basis in Seattle was pretty good. I figured he'd be more involved in this offense. But moving over to the Baltimore Ravens head into Atlanta. Atlanta's obviously a team that's eliminated from contention. The game means nothing to them outside of their pride. Uh, but Lamar Jackson walks in as a starter, and they, they're they now 3-0 under Lamar Jackson. Even if he's not completing passes, they're getting it done on the ground, and teams just they don't have an answer yet. They haven't seen it enough, whatever the case is, but it's working. Is Lamar Jackson the starter in Week 14? Yes. I can't say that fast enough. I, I would tend to agree. If you, uh, you know, for those that have been playing fantasy a long time, if you go back to Michael Vick's heyday, and and look, he had two of them. He had a heyday in Philadelphia, heyday in Atlanta. When he was extremely good at fantasy and a good fantasy quarterback and his teams were winning, it's when he was rushing the ball 10 or more times a game. And that's what's happening here. And look, it's working. I mean, like you said, they're 3-0. Lamar is a viable fantasy quarterback because of the run game. So as long as they keep, uh, I think, letting Lamar do his thing, um, I, I think that's a, a good situation to be in. I would agree. I think he's going to continue to be on the streaming radar, and he's someone that I would have no issue streaming. If you if, if you needed a quarterback, if you were like, you know, you're, you're struggling, your quarterback's playing against, like let's say they're playing against Baltimore like Matt Ryan did this week. Uh, you know, I didn't like Matt Ryan against Baltimore. Uh, you could look at someone like Lamar Jackson. Unfortunately, I feel like Michael Crabtree and John Brown are droppable. Would you agree? Yeah. It, it's They weren't seeing a lot of volume to begin with, but – um, if, if the team's going to truly shift to this kind of run first mentality, which is good for them. I mean, in real life, it's working for them. 
then yeah, there's not a, a receiver to be had on that team. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. And I actually told Bobby like it was like I don't know like four weeks ago that I said I, I'd cut Crabtree, and he's like, "What? He's like 19th in the league in targets." I'm like, "I don't care. He's not good. Like and this offense just doesn't work. They don't throw very many touchdowns, and he's a very touchdown reliant receiver." John Brown. Just four targets today. Doesn't catch a single one of them. Him and Lamar Jackson are clearly not on the same page. Uh, whereas Gus Edwards. Now, here's one more question I have for you before we move on to Atlanta. Uh, Gus Edwards carries the ball 21 times, 82 yards. Doesn't get a touchdown this week. He does nothing in the passing game. Are you interested in having Kenneth Dixon on your bench? Me personally, no. Uh, I've, uh, but I should say I have never been a Kenneth Dixon fan. Um, I've never trusted him. I mean, he's always injured. He never plays. I, I just don't. I can't do it. I mean, it, I don't know. What what do you think? Am I am I wrong in that assessment? I feel like he's good. Um, like I like Kenneth Dixon in terms of what he brings to the table. I don't know if he's a good fit for Lamar Jackson in their center because they want that downhill runner. Now Dixon can be that guy. Like he's a guy that can break a lot of tackles. Like he he's always been that guy. I want to say in PFF's elusive ratings, like when he's on the field, he's been a tackle like breaking machine uh, in terms of what he does. So I think Dixon is worthy of a handcuff because if something happened to Gus Edwards, who by the way did have an ankle injury, was on the he did miss practice today last week so it's definitely something i think that kind of dixon is one of those high upside guys in your bench because if something happens to edwards they don't have anybody else that is worthy of handing the ball 15 times per game like ty montgomery's not going to do it buck allen has clearly fallen out of favor that's why they traded for ty montgomery so i think kind of dixon is worth a, a hand, like to just put him on your bench you don't have to play him but just in case something were to happen to gus edwards yeah i suppose i'm i'm not i'm not doing you're just not excited about it you can have it. <laughs> unfortunately uh the leagues that you and i are in together are dynasty and he's not available so i will not have him but uh and, and the falcon side of things i'm um, tevin coleman six carries eight yards i was so let down by this and the, the, so i here's the thing this this morning i was going through my rankings doing all my updates and i had tevin coleman as the rb 31 and i was like this can't be right can it like i'm i'm gonna, I'm gonna put derrick henry over tevin coleman like, really? I, I think hey, I, it worked. <laughs> no, I think I even had Frank Gore over him, and I know that worked too. But is Tevin Coleman no longer? I mean, I'm not, I don't want to tell people to drop him. I'm not going to do that. But is, is he a guy that you should still rely on week over week? Or is it just like, ugh, is he kind of just like someone that you have to kind of play the matchups? Yeah, I, I and I don't know what the deal with that was. I mean, was he injured? Because Eno Smith literally had more carries than him this week. He ran better than than Tevin Coleman. As far as I know, Tevin Coleman was not hurt. He hasn't looked good. Um, he actually even last week I think he had is it eight carries for six yards or something like that. So the last two weeks he's been terrible. I actually think the last four weeks, ever since Washington when he had that massive game, he has basically sucked. They are going to play at the Packers next week. Then they're going to be at home against the Cardinals and then on the road against Carolina. So, I mean, against the Packers and the Cardinals, I think he's definitely going to be playable, but it's it's frustrating. Well, I think looking at his stat line this year, it's a volume thing, you know. I mean, he hasn't had double-digit carries uh, in a month, you know, and the most carries he's had in any game this season was 16, and that's with Freeman out most of the time, you know. I mean, look, remember when Freeman was dominating a couple years ago? He was the workhorse. You know, he was getting the carries. He was getting a lot of catches. Uh, and that's just not happening here. I think a lot of people assume that Coleman would just slide right into that, but it's not happening. I mean, he's still catching a few balls every game, but as far as the rushes go, they're just not relying on him uh, in the run game nearly as much. And look, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Edo Smith started eating into that more next week. Yeah, to kind of see what they have. I mean, I, I don't know if they use up Tevin Coleman, knowing that he's going to be heading into free agency. I'm sure all this stuff is hurting his free agency value because he's not getting it done, but that offensive line has had a few injuries. Uh, moving on to the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs eke on a win here. It was a lot closer game than I think they wanted it to be. <laughs> 
40 to 33, 73 points in this game. The Chiefs just continue to allow massive points. But uh, Patrick Mahomes throws another four touchdowns. I don't think anybody's shocked. He runs for 52 yards. Spencer Ware, we talked about him at the top of the show. Don't know if we need to go any further on that. We talked about him a little bit there. Damian Williams, he gets five carries for 38 yards. He's mixed in on passing downs. He catches two balls for seven yards. Do you think he's worth owning, or do you think this is more of like a kind of like a Duke Johnson situation where you don't expect him to get a whole lot of work? You know, I, I might, uh, again, if you've got the roster uh, limit for it, I might look at picking him up and just seeing, uh, you know, because like if Spencer Ware doesn't prove himself, if you will, the next couple games, uh, it's not beyond Andy Reid to make a change on that. You know, um, and I believe Damian Williams, they brought in uh, this offseason, you know, so they obviously uh, like him. So, um, no, he would be a guy I would uh, I would look at, quite honestly, because, look, like I said before, whoever the starter is on this offense uh, at any position is going to be fantasy relevant, period. Including Chris Conley, who, by the way, started for Sammy Watkins. He saw seven targets. He only catches three of them for 25 yards and a touchdown. I think that he is in that conversation. Would you rather own Chris Conley or Josh Reynolds right now? Uh, is this assuming Sammy Watkins is that? I'm assuming that Sammy Watkins is not going to play for a long time. I mean, I, I even if Sammy Watkins plays, I don't think he's very uh, effective. So I happen to think that Chris Conley is going to have a big role in this team going forward. Yeah. Um, in that case, I might go Conley then. You know, I, I think it's uh, not that there's a, a shortage of targets to go around in Kansas City, but um, I probably would trust... Uh, Conley's sort of standing in the food chain over uh, Reynolds at this point. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And Conley's still going to have a role even if Watkins does come back because Conley was playing a slot-heavy role. So I do think he's going to be involved. Tyreek Hill, very disappointing day. Six targets, one catch for 13 yards. I talked about on the DFS show this past week that the Oakland Raiders, crazy as it sounds, more I'm going to share it with you just because I need to share the stat, that the Raiders still have yet to allow a wide receiver more than 91 yards this year. They have yet to allow a top 10 wide receiver performance that still holds true. They have allowed just one receiver to top 17 PPR points against them. So for whatever reason, I know teams haven't had to throw a whole bunch against Oakland, but these stats are starting to look kind of ridiculous and seeing Tyreek Hill, one catch for 13 yards, two carries for 37 yards. Obviously the Raiders are not a team that you like must attack. Like some people would uh, lead you to believe. Who knows what the Raiders, man, they're all over the place. You've got Gruden. (laughs) They suck against tight ends. I know that. Well, that, and he's throwing fl- or challenge flags within the last two minutes of a scoring play. Like, it's just, it, you just don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, from week to week, you don't. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing reliable there. And look, you've got a lot of injuries there, too, now. You know, I mean, guys are, are going down. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it, I mean, that's a very interesting stat you brought up. Um, but at the same time, it's... I still think they're a defense to pick on, though, long-term. Yeah, I, I I agree that they are a defense to pick on, usually with run games. That's why I like Spencer Ware so much this week. Uh, but Doug Martin gets it done. I mean, Derek Carr has a good game. Like, Derek Carr is known to do this. Derek Carr does this from time to time. He has a good game, and then he goes back to being the Derek Carr that, you know, he's going to throw for 120 yards. But 29 of 38 passing for 285, three touchdowns. Doug Martin gets 18 carries, 61 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Not very heavily involved in the passing game. Jared Cook, 100 yards and a touchdown. Jordy Nelson catches 10 passes for 97 yards. What? <laughs> it's do, vintage. Do you want to add it? Do you want to add Jordy Nelson or Marcel Aitman? <laughs> no. Now, I would look at who the Chiefs play the rest of the way because, look, it's obvious that um, they've got kind of a bend-don't-break defense, you know? And, and, look, their offense can bail them out most any game anyway, you know? So they allow 
a lot of yardage um, and a lot of things underneath. So, uh, but as far as the Raiders go, no, I'm 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 good. I mean, Jared Cook is the only uh, to me viable fantasy guy on there. I mean, maybe Jalen Richard. If you're in a PPR league, you need like a desperation flex play. But um, outside of that. No, I'll, I'll pass. Is it possible that the Chiefs players are going to disappoint in the fantasy playoffs? Because, I mean, listen to this. They're playing against the Ravens this coming week, then the Chargers, and then at Seattle. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that, I mean, you're kind of you're kind of stuck with them no matter what, right? Which, look, they brought you here. You're going to start them. So, and look, they did well against uh, a Rams defense, obviously very well against a Rams defense that is uh, not a pushover, so... Um, no, I, I would have full confidence that they'll uh, they'll come through. There we go. Titans 26, Jets 22. I don't have much takeaways from this game. It seems like Sam Darnold's going to be back next week for the Jets. Josh McCown, very mediocre. Nothing much here. Isaiah Crowell gets 98 yards on the ground, which might, you know, get some people like excited, but not me. On the, on the Tennessee side, more of the same. Marcus Mariota, very inconsistent. Deion Lewis has kind of fallen out of favor to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry scores another touchdown, but it's still, it's, it's, it's a timeshare. I don't think I want to attach myself to many of these players at all. It, no, there's just not the uh, the volume there. Uh, you know, as, certainly on the Tennessee side, which is uh, more disappointing because I think we all had high hopes for Corey Davis, Deion Lewis, etc. But um, they're just not they're just not scoring as much as I think we want them to, or at least for them to be uh, reliable starters in the uh, fantasy playoffs. Yeah, their run game just hasn't been as as successful as I thought they were going to be. Like their offensive line seemed like they were in. You know, there was a lot of continuity, a lot of the same players returning, a team that did well. But you know, whatever it is, the new offense they just haven't been able to gel together, and they haven't looked good. So not being able to run the ball consistently is going to bleed into the pass game and Marcus Mariota. Very inconsistent. Uh, that's the best way I could describe him. I feel like all players on that team are streamers. Uh, Corey Davis could be considered like a wide receiver three, I guess, every single week that you kind of put in there because you'll deal with the lows to get some of the highs that he gives you. But um, it's just not these are not exciting teams to own any part of. I mean, same thing goes for this next two teams we're going to talk about. And uh, <laughs> well, I guess one of them um, and one of them is your team. So the Seahawks beat the 49ers 43 to 16. Nick Mullins. He throws for 414 yards here, two touchdowns. Yeah, he does. Interception at the end, but it wasn't a pretty game. This was a lot of garbage time production. Um, do you think that he keeps the job going into next week? I don't know. I, I honestly don't have a read on it just because neither him or C.J. Beathard are exactly um, prospects. You know, I mean, I think they're I think they're just filler at this point. So, to me, the guy to watch on that offense going forward is probably Dante Pettis. He had a big game this week. Um, and if Garcon and Goodwin continue to be out like they have been the last couple of weeks, like he's proven that he can uh, he can be the top uh, the top receiver on that team and produce for sure. And there were some people that had some high hopes for him. They're going against the Broncos next week, who will be without Chris Harris Jr., who uh, suffered a broken fibula. He's out for the year. Um, that's going to upgrade that matchup. They were already somewhat of a plus matchup. They play the Seahawks again in Week 15, and then the Bears in Week 16. So I mean, you might want to use him next week if Marquise Goodwin is out and Pierre Garcon are out. But after that, it's 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 a little tough. One player that we're going to hear a lot about is Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson, all of a sudden, it's the Shanahanigans. Here we go again. It was his dad. Now it's Kyle. What's happening here? Like Matt Breida, five carries for six yards. And then Jeff Wilson, 15 carries for 61 yards. He also sees nine targets in the passing game, leads the team, eight catches, 73 yards. Do you know, do you know much about Jeff Wilson? To be perfectly honest, what's funny is um, one of our uh, one of the guys we know at PFF uh, on his projection, Scott Spratt, didn't even have him like in his database before last week. Like he literally asked me who it was. So, uh, but look, th- as you alluded to, this is kind of a function of 
uh, any running back in a Shanahan offense. I mean, Breda, quite honestly, probably shouldn't have even played in this game. I mean, I think he re-aggravated that ankle injury uh, in the warmups. So, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a lot of stock in uh, in Wilson just yet. Um, I'm I'm gonna wait to see that. Uh, Braid is healthy for them to uh, to make a decision on that. So it could be a Raheem Mostert type thing. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. I, I don't think Wilson is going to be uh, taking that job anytime soon. Good insight. Good. Short, short of an injury. Short of an injury. Russell Wilson throws the ball 17 times, completes 11 passes. Four of them are for touchdowns. 185 yards. It's very typical, right? <laughs> Super efficient. That's <laughs> what he does. You know, and, and and I will say it's it's encouraging even not having Doug Baldwin kind of be the Doug Baldwin of the past. You know, um, that he can kind of spread the ball around, whether it's Jared Brown, Tyler Lockett. Um, David Moore didn't do anything, which I was kind of disappointed on. But um, no, other than that, I, I think it's another ho-hum game from Seattle. <laughs> Lockett catches one pass for 52 yards. It's touchdown. So it's, I mean, obviously the stat sheet looks good. And Tyler Lockett just continues to do it. I think he's caught a touchdown pass every like six targets now um, this year, which is just stupid. Uh, what about the running game? Uh, Chris Carson, 13 carries, 69 yards. Rashad Penny, seven carries, 65 yards and a touchdown. Penny, they've said, you know, as the year has gone on, they said they wanted to give him more of a look. Do you think that he's the running back to own going forward, or do you think it's still going to be this timeshare where Chris Carson is the one seeing the majority of work? Yeah, I, I think Carson is, is probably going to see a majority. He did leave this game, though, with an injury. I mean, it was a finger injury. It wasn't a, a lower body injury, so uh, not quite as serious. But um, assuming both are healthy, uh, I would still I would still prefer Carson. And look, let's remember, they were playing a 49er defense, which has not been great, uh, and it's going to be even worse now <laughs> with Reuben Foster not there anymore. So I wouldn't look too much into the numbers just, you know, on the stat sheet, but um, look, it's still going to be a decent running game going forward, and I think, uh, I think both will be uh, uh, pretty viable. We have breaking news at the end of our podcast here. The Chiefs are bringing in free agent C.J. Anderson and Charkandrick West for visits on Monday. They're saying that if C.J. Anderson uh, looks well and is healthy, they are expected to sign him. That's not good. <laughs> well, it's not good for Spencer Ware owners. No, it's not. No, it's not. And I don't know if this is like an out. Like, is it saying something from his performance today? I mean, I don't. It wasn't a great performance, but I mean, on a, on a small, on a 14 carry sample size, that's a little worrisome though. It's definitely something to pay attention to. We'll be talking about it. I'm sure on the waiver wire show tomorrow, but man, that's, that's not good at all. Let's, uh, let's hit the last game. The last game, it was, uh, it was really kind of anticlimactic. Um, the Patriots win 24 to 10 over the Vikings who, I mean, just couldn't seem to get anything going offensively. Kirk Cousins was continually under pressure and, um, the, the Patriots just dinked and dunked their way to a win here. I mean, the, the thing is, is the weird part is what we noticed with Rex Burkhead back in the fold, that Josh Gordon was not on the field as much as he's been. Uh, you see him get three targets. He catches all three for 58 yards and a touchdown, so he's very efficient with those targets. But the addition of Rex Burkhead to this offense, man, it, it just seems to have changed the dynamic. And then we get James Devlin coming in, stealing two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns in this game. Sony Michelle, James White. Rex Burkhead, all these guys, Cordell Patterson for, you know, all these guys who could run the ball in and they use James Devlin twice. <laughs> yeah. When, when you think they're going to zig, they zag. That's what they do, you know, but uh, I think for me, uh, more disappointing for uh, on the other side, Dalvin Cook had a very good game, but had just nine carries. I mean, he averaged nine yards a carry this game. So why they didn't exploit that more, I don't really know. But, um, you know, as far as the passing game goes, everything was down there. I mean, even Thielen, uh, who still scored, so it kind of salvaged his day, but he only had five for 28. 
You know, it was it was disappointing. I'd say all the way around. I would say this this Minnesota team, like, is the offense all around is disappointing. I mean, I know they brought in Kirk Cousins and everybody was psyched about it, but this team has gotten worse. Six five and one, they're not guaranteed a playoff spot right now. No, and if you thought Aaron Rodgers, whatever it was, four point seven yards for attempt was bad, Cousins was four point six. He had forty. He had forty four attempts and two hundred one yards. Well, Cousins and Brady have been two of the most overrated quarterbacks in fantasy football this year. People continually say that they're QB ones. Both of them are outside the top fifteen in fantasy points per game. Yeah, I I, I could see that. Now, I, I do. Uh, I am a believer in the uh, <laughs> the thinking about the Patriots sort of getting stronger as the year goes on. So I, I really think Brady will will turn it on. Now, as for Cousins. I don't know. I think you may be onto something there. Yeah, but Brady, that traditionally he's he's been terrible in the fantasy playoffs. It's usually when they rely on the run, and that's why it's like we saw Deion Lewis last year. I happen to think Sony Michelle is going to be fine. I think Rex Burkhead is going to be like a flex type option. James White is still going to be valuable, um, but Josh Gordon, that's something I'm going to look at because the snaps seem to be going down. I don't have the official snap counts or anything like that, but it seemed like he was coming off the field a lot more often than he was uh, in weeks past with Rex Burkhead back. So I'm curious to take a look at this game again. But yeah, not too too much takeaways here. I mean, Stephon Diggs played through his injury. He had five targets. He caught all five of them for 49 yards in a tough matchup against Stephon Gilmore. But Diggs, I, I was I was shocked to see him play, considering they said he, they said he woke up with swelling in his knee and that he was questionable. So I don't know this this team just not clicking offensively, especially against a, a Patriots team that's been kind of hit or miss all year. So man, this is a. Uh, that was a full slate of games. We only got one left or two games left. Obviously the, the Steelers and the chargers will be playing tonight and then we'll have Washington and Philly playing tomorrow night. But man, this was fun. It was fun getting back together with you. It's been a while since we've recorded one of these recap shows. So hopefully you had fun. Hopefully you guys learned something more. Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, good luck to everyone in the uh, fantasy playoffs. Let's start next week. Yes, sir. All right. So if you want to follow more on Twitter, all you have to do is go to at PFF underscore more. You could follow me on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL and check out our friends over at Lisa.com forward slash fantasy pros. I am Mike Taglier speaking on behalf of myself and Michael Moore. Until next time, lights out. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.